This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, Master of the Web, Lady Dawn of House Wright, Sir Chris of House Farber, Lady Tracy of House Faw, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys, and Lady of Jameson, Lord Brett of House Fry, Lady Juliana of House Stradley, Sir David of House Fraser, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry, Lady Madeline of House Fritzel. This episode of Bend the Knee is protected by Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Sir Ryan of House Terbush, Lord Robert the Unfrozen of House Butler, Lord Paramount of Skagos Island, Lady Sarah the Unraveler. Our current champion is Lady Kira of House Arnold. Our current Master of Coin is Lord Jason of House Ross. And welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Sometimes Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we have a special episode. We have our bannermen in here, and I am trying to ignore all of the visual distractions in the Zoom chat, Sir Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are doing our Zoom uh patreon hangout and man it is crazy here as we uh (laughs) as as we've been going (laughs) and we we you know we we got we got our patrons in here it's always a fun time there are always theories flowing and white claws uh flowing um oh they're flowing my friend they're they're flowing (laughs) it is good and what we do is it, it is we always we always kind of pick maybe a, a talking point or something, and then we see you know what you know can we let can we pull something out here? We got all these people in here. Yeah, um, yeah. As go ahead, man. Well, I got my hand raised because you know I I I, I, I by the way I appreciate everyone so far is is behaving um, as as best as they can. I said, look, this is Monday's episode. I said this is it's time for the bannerman to step up, and they have, and it's amazing. I also want to give a huge shout out to Lady Adrian, who we're about to focus on here. And we're, <laughs> we've made it, man. I mean, I'm sorry. We're big time. We we are big time. We have made it. And it is, we're in a book. We're, we're in a book. book, which is, which is a real deal. So like, uh, let's bring Lady Adrian on here. Let's just, uh, let's just, uh, this is, this is wild. So first of all, I don't even know, like we're in, we're, I, I missed this after our last Zoom chat, you had posted like a picture that indicated, uh, and, uh, by the way, is this like spoiler? Or is this like, I mean, I feel like this is like, we're, we're kind of like, you know, jumping ahead here to the epilogue of, of, a, of a book series that people need to actually go back to book one and they need to read book one through three. So, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not much of a spoiler. It's, um, you know, history. So if you know anything about history, you kind of like know what the ending is, but uh, yeah. Well, I still feel like the the, the major um, takeaway here is 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 Sir Ezra and Sir Matt. Not to be conceited, not to be you know big headed, and not to be. I mean, my head is pretty large, but I could not believe it. I was like, I just was blown away. And these guys were all like, "You missed it? How did you miss that again?" It's another moment of of Sir Ezra, the sometimes watchful, um, who who did not notice the Facebook post. I was off social media. 
and uh, and 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 everyone said, "Hey, by the way, did you see that you're in a book?" And I I, I am blown <laughs> away, Sir Matt. Well, it was crazy when we found out that Adrian was an author, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, she's an author." And I was like, "Wait, what?" And then I find out more of it. I mean, I'm looking at some of your books here on Amazon. I mean, this has got this one's got almost like 400 reviews on it. I mean, that's that's a lot of reviews for Amazon for a book. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, it actually, you know, it turned out I started just writing as a hobby and, um, you know, I didn't expect it to turn into anything more than, you know, just writing for the fun of it because I really like history and uh, the first book came out and it turned out to be really popular and really well reviewed and so I wrote another one and now I just kind of have an accidental career. Well, which Great. I think is amazing. I, can you give us real quickly? So just the titles of those books, I'm going to put links to those in, in, in the description, but like these are, uh, you know, really cool. I have not read them yet. And uh, I mean, again, I'm, I'm, am I, am I, am I leaning in for maybe a signed copy? Uh, probably. Right. I mean, I'm, uh, I, I mean, what we're really hoping for is maybe, you know, if you need some people to do the audio book, you, you know, just <laughs> voice actors, can, I don't know. We'll I mean, somebody. yeah, because, you know, like the girls in Swish and Flick are always talking about Ezra's dreamy voice. So, you know, it'd be perfect if he could, you know, voice it for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, wait. So so are you saying so wait. So just Ezra. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. It, it's, just, <laughs> it's just me, dude, because I want to do the Sir Matt version. I want to give you my interpretation. Oh, my interpretation of, of Sir Matt. Matt's, yeah, you know, and voice. I'm pretty sure it'll oh. be like, and then Sir Matt said, that's totally tubular, guys. That's <laughs> radical. Because that's how what everyone says I sound like. Well, No, um, I can use you both. Both okay, of you. Okay, and okay. you've got experience. So, I mean, there you go. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. I'm down. Yeah. I'm down. Well, anyways, yeah. So, uh, the titles of those books, though. I mean, just, just real quick, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. So the first book is called Corrado, a novel of Catherine Carey, and it focuses on um, Catherine Carey was the, the daughter, well, the niece of Anne Boleyn, who was Henry VIII's second wife. And um, so she was possibly uh, the, the daughter of Henry VIII. Um, you know, that's a big historical debate still. And then um, the second book is called The Raven's Widow. And it's a novel of Jane Boleyn, who was the sister-in-law to Anne Boleyn. And um, so it focuses kind of on her story. But a lot of them have very sort of contemporary themes of like, you know, mental health and infertility and, um, you know, things that somehow if you dress them up in period clothing and set them in a castle are somehow, you know, easier to talk about and, and digest. And so I sort of um, use these women to, to talk about, about those things. And um, yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, to, to bring up, so yeah, you're weaving in those, uh, those issues we're dealing with in modern times and, 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 you know, throwing us, you know, taking us back in history and exploring those back then as well. That's really cool. I I, I love it. And I'm ex actually excited. I, I think over the holidays, if I can, I'm going to, I'm going to read through these because I got to know where my characters, I got to know what's, what's going on. I know. I got to know what's going on with them. <laughs> like, well, they haven't, hmm. I mean, they're, they're going to be in this third book, which I just uh, finished writing. And this book is actually about, um, Queen Jane Seymour, who was Henry VIII's third wife, and, um, you know, her son eventually, like, went on to become the king, and, um, 
you know, so it's told from her point of view and the perspective of one of her ladies in waiting who is the keeper of her jewels. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Sounds good. That sounds oh, great. It's freaking amazing. Sir Matt, how do you feel? I mean, it's just like, you know, <clears throat> is this We're not book, like, man. it's pretty cool. Well, it's it's like it's like it's the holidays and like this happens and like we're in the holiday spirit and then it's just like a, it's like a gift. It's like an extra like I just feel um, it's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Merry Christmas. Wow. Hey, thanks. Wow. Best Christmas Christmas present one could ask for. I well, I was thinking like, uh, you know, the, the, we were going to run like a joke at one point, like how what how because we, we were uh, originally we were going to talk about Sir Duncan the Tall and talk about his knighthood. Was he actually a knight? No one's ever really questioned how Sir Matt and I actually uh, became knighted. There is a story, and I'm not ready to tell it yet, but maybe we will, uh, you know, and, and uh, we'll, we'll work with Adrian on on how we got our knighthood. But that's cool. I love it, and I'm so pumped. I'm so stoked. And uh, so this this should be interesting. We have a, we have a theory, actually, today, and it is going to be presented by Lady Adrian. And we have other – our other bannermen um, are here and we are there. They're, they're listening in. So, Lady Sandy, Lady Sarah, we got Sir Ryan, Sir Sir, Sir Jimmy, uh, Sir Matthew, and Lady Kira are in here with us, and we are uh, getting after it on a Sunday. We're about to do this theory. I have no idea what we're about to hear, and I'm excited to <laughs> to listen in and discuss. You know, so okay. All right, you ready, uh, Lady Adrian? Let's uh, let's let's do this. Let's take t- take us take us wherever your mind has been drifting in this series, and and let's see what we get here. Okay, so actually, it was in writing this this novel that I was thinking about it, where it sort of kind of came to me. So, um, as we know, a lot of George's characters are based on actual historical figures. Um, in fact, perfectly like Marjorie Terrell is like, has so much in common with Anne Boleyn, even down to like some of the things that she says, like she made a comment about her neck. There was something, there was some comment in the book and um, about her neck and like, Famously, Anne Boleyn was executed. And one of the things that she said before she was executed was, you know, thank goodness I have a small neck. Um, wow. You know, wow. she, yeah, that was like one of, because she was kind of going through, you know, this is the night before her execution. She was going through like kind of sort of having a breakdown and she had this sort of dark humor. And that was a comment that she actually said. So, and it's actually kind of funny because the actress who plays Marjorie was the same actress who played Anne Boleyn on the Tudors, uh, Natalie Dormer. So, um, but as I was sort of thinking about that, I remembered that back, um, you know, when I was first watching the series, because I watched it, like, I didn't get into it until like right before the eighth season came out. And so I was watching it on DVD and um, one of the DVD sets has like a bonus feature and they were doing kind of an interview with George RR R. Martin. And he was talking about how he was a Ricardian. So um, for anybody who's not super familiar in English history in the 1400s, there was the Wars of the Roses. So it was these two big houses and they were cousins to each other and they were always kind of like fighting over the throne, uh, you know, and um, 
you know, one of the houses was there was York and Lancaster mm-hmm. and Richard the third was, he was, um, the house of York and, um, he, so I don't know how much you know about Ricardians, but they are still to this day very upset that, you know, Henry Tudor came in and defeated uh, Richard III at the Battle of Bosworth. Um, And so, like, you go to every year in England, they have this, like, sort of memorial thing at Bosworth Field and the Ricardians come and they can be very like belligerent um I actually (laughs) like I heard a story because another historian I know was working on helping them um you know helping get a statue sort of erected to Henry Tudor who was the the victor and so they had this little like miniature statue to like as they were raising money to show what it would kind of look like and um my friend heard somebody tell their little kid to go over and kick the statue (laughs) like just go kick it because they're you know all this yeah. time, they're still very upset there's that about hate. There's yeah, the animosity. Wow. Right, huh. right. So, um, you know, so I was thinking about um, George and him saying that he was a Ricardian, and yeah. if he kind of had that same perspective, and in that same, uh, you know, documentary, he was talking about how Tyrion was based on Richard the Third, which is like absolutely true like Richard III he was called like a hunchback so he had like some physical deformities and you have Tyrion who has physical deformities and Richard was accused of murdering his nephews so that Mm -hmm. he could become king oh my oh my lord you're blowing my mind over here please keep flexing (laughs) oh and so Tyrion he of course is blamed for Joffrey's death Right. And, um, you know, in the books, um, the other, his other nephew, and the name is totally escaping me right now, is still alive, right? Tommen, yeah. Tommen, Tommen yeah. 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 Tommen's still alive. So, you know, if Tommen dies in the mm-hmm. books, like he did in the movies, then of course, you know, there's probably going to be a way that, that Tyrion right. is going to be blamed. So that's one of my theories as well, is that, yeah. that will play out. Um, but and and so also you have so by extrapolating from that i really got that daenerys is sort of based on henry the seventh so henry the seventh who is henry tudor he was like basically raised in exile because they didn't um you know he was like the only the last tudor claimant and or from Lancaster the house of Lancaster and so he was like basically kept in exile to keep him safe he you know once he became of age and um Richard III's brother who was King Edward IV died you know that was when so over in England you have Richard who his brother's two sons were supposed to take the throne, but then they disappear into the Tower of London and nobody ever sees them again. So, you know, Richard is basically thought of murdering his nephews to take the throne. So he becomes the king. Okay. Yep. And when he gets, when um, 
you know, Henry the the seventh gets old enough, like he decides I'm going to come over to England and I'm going to take my right. I'm going to take the throne. And he, um, you know, gathers this army of, you know, people that are like outsiders to England. They're like mercenaries. They're, um, you know, people from France and, and, um, Burgundy and and they come over and they they land you know make landfall at at uh, Milford Haven and you know so sort of begins this battle that kind of ends in Bosworth Field and um, Richard's killed and and you know he um, Henry basically like the story is that he picks up the crown off the battlefield out of a thorn bush and like puts it on his head and he becomes the king. Wow. And, you know, that's a lot like Daenerys. She's in exile and as mm-hmm. she's coming towards, you know, King's Landing, she's gathering these army of these outsiders. And um, so there's just like a lot of parallels to the the two historical figures. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So my, my theory is that, that, um, so... Ricardians like they they believed that Richard was the rightful king and that Henry the seventh was a usurper and um, you know and so if if George R R Martin is a Ricardian maybe this is like an opportunity for him to rewrite history mm-hmm. and wow. is not going to be successful because she's kind of like an avatar for Henry the seventh. Uh-huh. So Daenerys is not going to be successful and Tyrion is going to have a hand in bringing her down. <clears throat> Holy smokes. <laughs> That's cool. Like they, yeah. Yeah. If, if you, so I guess I don't know much about that group of, of, of people. So they're, they're on the side of like, they, they're, they're disgruntled because right. of the, of that outcome. And so yeah. to, to rewrite that in some, in some almost like, you know, um, right. fantasy historical fiction where there's an alternate ending to what happened. You're, you're, you're kind of saying Tyrion is going to be that guy that could be a part of um, her downfall. And actually, I mean, God, yeah. in season eight, you, you, you kind of see Tyrion do stuff like that, where he's looking at this going, yeah. I mean, even though at that point we're, we're talking hand of the King helping her, I'm sorry, hand of the queen, helping her move towards uh, claiming King's Landing is like looking at her thinking she's, she's going mad, you know, a little bit. This is interesting. This, first of all, that was a major flex on history because I am not, uh, I, I, I'm not even close to like understanding all of that. I, I wish I, I knew more about that because I know George draws a lot of influences, yeah. um, you know, from that, from that time period. So that is, that's really cool. That's, that's really interesting to, to make, to see where the, where the author is in his mindset and use that versus anything textual or anything like you know those those little clues that he's putting in. You're just saying like his inspiration for for, for a lot of this is he might want to rewrite that that history. And I think that's that's right. that's solid. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and, and then I think about it and thinking about the idea of you know Tyrion helping bring down maybe Daenerys, right? And is well, he spent a lot of time with young Griff. Uh, I mean, he's funny. He spent a lot of time with him and, and thought maybe, and maybe he believes this, you know, really believes this is the, this is the real deal here. Um, and he, in Tyrion, and I remember in, in the, in the books, there is the whole issue of a woman, you know, and, and having, having any sort of a claim to the throne that's in that, then the history, right. Where they, the council of one-on-one, where they basically say you have to be a man to be in order to be in charge. Um, 
Now, Daenerys is certainly going to buck that, I believe, and and, and, and yeah. certainly challenge that, uh, just as Cersei's doing. Um, but you know, Tyrion may side with with young Griff ultimately, and so that would then pose a, a, a scenario in which Tyrion is is going against Daenerys because young Griff is such a big a big difference uh, from the show and is such a big player. So if he, if you're, you, as you're saying, you know, he, he, Tyrion might fit into that role, uh, that historical <laughs> role there. Um, yeah. I could definitely see something like that happening. Well, you know, like, like even if Tyrion were, whether it's young Griff or, or John or, or whoever, I mean, if there's another alternative out there, brand, whatever it might be. Yeah. You start right. to say whatever he's seeing there in Daenerys, we could, I could totally see something like, like that happening. Um, and I actually like the idea you brought up, but was it, and I'm again, not fluent in it. So his, uh, yeah. Henry the seventh, you said, right. Yeah. Um, so that actually, that, that ideal of, of someone being exiled and people rallying around that person, gathering support and moving back in, that actually reminds me a lot of, uh, the Blackfire rebellion, which is something that, uh, George likes to really, really play with. And in, in this whole idea that you had bastards you had people who went across the the narrow sea and then they're coming back with uh with armies trying to to, to reclaim some of that so that's interesting even if that was an inspiration for maybe maybe some of that blackfire rebellion um story arc as well so that's huge that is that is, that is huge you actually just caused me to want to go look into all that stuff and and, and research it and learn more about it uh do a quick history dive because you know that if that's where our author's mind is then you know, it's interesting to, to look at alternatives in, in history to see maybe where he wants to he wants to take our characters and to see who they parallel too. because I, mm -hmm. I don't I didn't know that Tyrion uh, paralleled that. Um, you said Richard, right? Richard the third. Yeah. Richard the third. Yeah. Wowzers. Yeah. Wow. That is that's fantastic. Wow. And there's a lot like um, if you go back and look like Robert Baratheon is just like absolutely perfectly describes Edward the fourth, who was Richard the third's brother. Um, you know, he was tall. He liked to drink. He was very much, you know, a party. Like he was all about the women and the feasting and, and all of those things. And, um, you know, it's, it's very like when you start kind of like making those connections, then you see, um, the links and, so, and actually, so earlier when we were chatting and Lady Kira pointed out about how, you know, we could possibly see Danny's, you know, maybe her background isn't what we think it is, or, you know, because I think we were kind of talking about maybe there was some kind of like bastardy in there or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, you know, Henry VII had a really tenuous claim to the throne because he was bastard born. Let's like go. he, <laughs> Let's go. yeah. So his his um, mother was was married to to a bastard son of of um, the king, the the last Tudor king who was Henry the okay. Sixth, and um, you know, and so there was a lot of. And that's part of why the Ricardians, you know, hate Henry Tudor so much was because they were like, he's a bastard. He shouldn't have been on the throne. He shouldn't have, you know, and so the Tudor line actually went on to be really sensitive about that. And that was 
part of why, I mean, Henry the seventh son was really famous for like, he wanted to, he wanted an heir. Like he had to have an heir. He had to have a legitimate heir. And this is why he like ends up executing half of his wives. And, you know, so um, like that was a really sore point with them. And, um, you know, so, so that idea that maybe Daenerys isn't, you know, isn't who she thinks she is or isn't like a true born Targaryen. I mean, if in fact she is kind of, uh, was inspired by Henry the seventh, then that's really a good possibility. Wow. And so help me refresh me on. So after, so did you say Henry the seventh or, or the eighth was the one who was upset, like with, with, with acquiring an heir? What were uh, Henry the eighth, Henry the eighth. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Because of all of the wives he had in, in the, in the, I gotcha. Right. Okay. Yeah. So now that's interesting because like there is, uh, God, I cannot, the, the amount of times that I have used the word bastard on this podcast <laughs> is insane. It's insane. And it, it, it does all come back to your, your, like that lineage, right? I mean, we have a whole situation where you have Aegon the unworthy who, who has all of these bastards who he then just says legitimate. They're all legitimate. All right. And deal with that. Peace out as he rolls out and he dies and he's done. So you have all of those bastards who then are going to, to well, well, we have Blackfire making a claim, all, all that kind of stuff. So I can see how George, if this is where he's at, you know, in his mindset, I can see how he would become, you know, obsessed with this idea and want to weave it into his stories. I think it's, I think it's highly interesting. Now, um, Sir Matt, I'm t- I, did you think we were going to, did you? No. I, we had no idea nope. that Lady <laughs> was going was to take us down this path. I had no idea that on a, on, on a, on a Sunday fun day, uh, while we're all consuming White Claws, that we were going to go down to this, to this level. So I'm, I'm, I'm prepping my bannerman here as we're about to go round robin and just sort of see, you know, what everyone, uh, you know, just thoughts. I mean, it's like your, your, your reaction to the theory, I guess, or the, the thought that um, Tyrion might betray Danny and... Just even that that Danny is is you know this this Henry the Seventh type of of uh, character for us in a Game of Thrones or a Song of Ice and Fire. So, yeah. who, I mean, who 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 should we start here with? He's ready uh, to go, S- S- Sir Matt. I mean, I I'm thinking. I'm, I am. Hey, Matthew I, I see Sir Matt. He's got his hey, hand. Raised. I appreciate I appreciate raising the hand. You know, make sure he's unmuted. There we go. All right. Yeah, of course. No, I, when Matt was talking about Young Griff and. Um, I think Tyrion is way more loyal to young Griff. Just all that time that he spent with him on the boat, they played chess together, or Sabah, sorry, you know, their version yeah. of it. But they spent so much time. I mean, he, he saw how well-trained the young Griff is, how, how, how much he's been schooled and everything to be a leader. So, I mean, where we leave Tyrion, he's with the second sons, I believe, in um, Marine. Yeah. at the end of Dance of Dragons. And we don't really know where his motive is going from there. If he's going to, you know, try to get them to defect again to join Danny. Um, so we don't really know Tyrion's motive towards Danny. But down the line, if we get towards Young Griff, like say they meet up in Volantis or something. I mean, I just see that. I love that that idea that Tyrion could end up betraying Danny for Young Griff. Because I'm a huge Young Griff fan. I think that he... Yeah. Whether he, I don't really like, I hate the, the fake Aegon kind of thing. I just think he's such an awesome character. And I think that going forward, I think he's much bigger than people expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost interesting that we do call him Fagon and, 
And yet, you know, as uh, Lady Adrian has said, uh, this whole idea that you have some questioning around Henry the Seventh and mm-hmm. his legit his legit claim to the throne. And then we, what kind of started this is is I think Lady Adrian, we, I was I I briefly brought up the lemon tree theory um, and 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 the red door and sort of like maybe Danny isn't who she is. And again, this was all uh, just us, just you know, just kind of just chatting. We weren't really getting into anything major, but you said it kind of almost ties ties into um, the idea that she would be this Henry the Seventh uh, type of figure for us in this in this book series. And you know, actually, now that you're you're talking, Sir Matthew, um, so the the two nephews that. Richard III had, there is actually a theory um, in the historical community that they were like spirited out of the Tower of London and did survive, um, you know, and there were, after um, Henry VII took the throne, there were several pretenders that came in and tried to like, <laughs> what? <laughs> even after you know uh richard iii was dead and so so really young griff could be one of these two princes um you Mm. know because that is i mean the ricardians really hold on to that theory because you know then it, it shows that that richard really wasn't this horrible person who murdered his nephews and yeah. so there's a lot of big belief in that. And so like that just came to me as you were talking of like, oh my yeah. gosh, like young Griff is probably like supposed to be an avatar for one of these, you know, um, yeah, one of the nephews. Huh. Wow. Yeah, really and one of the things I think I like people, yeah. one of the things uh, with Tyrion's relationship specifically with young Griff is young Griff. And I think this is one of the reasons he likes John, John so much. Um, is that these are people that actually kind of take his advice. Like he feels like he actually kind of teaches them. Unlike Joffrey, who he's constantly trying to give advice to and Joffrey just doesn't take it. Um, and even his relationship with Sans a little bit where he's trying to help her, but she's, you know, she's now like beginning to play the game of Thrones. Um, so I feel like he feels like he's actually teaching uh, maybe young Griff a little bit. And so that will come to cause him to maybe side with him later down their line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, no, I, 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 yeah, I, I agree with you. This is all fascinating. Uh, let me see here. I'm looking at cameras on here. Anyone else have any reactions or, or thoughts um, to this? Because I'm, I never thought, uh, Sir Jimmy, I never thought we'd be literally in this conversation that we're in right now. I am <laughs> legitimately over sitting here like, I need to go pick up a history book. And actually, go go read about this stuff because if the parallels are that, I mean, they're there. I'm I'm seeing Blackfire Rebellion. I'm seeing all sorts of stuff. So, uh, yeah. I, I what 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 are your thoughts? You well, know? you know, we like to look at the history books of A Song of Ice and Fire. You know, World of Ice and Fire, Fire and Blood. But you know, we get very little information there. Sometimes it can even just be a sentence that we end up expanding on so thoroughly. But I think there's a lot more. Uh, to go off of whenever we look at the inspirations that George has had. Uh, any, mm-hmm. Anytime we look at, at the history that he's paralleled with War of the Roses, uh, it's been pretty accurate. So I think that there's a lot of validity to what Adrian said. And I think that maybe going forward that, uh, you know, theories that we're crafting, uh, maybe instead of, you know, again, 
using what George has given us in our fiction world, maybe we need to take a look at our own past and uh, really see what is influencing George's decisions later on as far as the political moves go. Yeah, because I mean, to me, like, like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, like I, I have, I have next to no, so, and I'm no uh, content. I'm taking what Lady Adrian is saying. And I'm going. That happened, and that's amazing. And they were spirited away, and this thing happened, and there's all these different little uh, dynamics that you can kind of study around that history. I mean, it's a power grab. There's tons of stuff happening there where where you're reaching for power and you're trying to get essentially the crown. Um, so yeah, I get why there would be a lot of drama and controversy and the, you know things that that were done in secret, secret things that were done, secret packs and conversations that that happened. Mm-hmm. And when you start to explore that, well, it really fits into everything we're, we're, we're experiencing in a song of ice and fire. So, so yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it anybody else here, uh, that, that Bannerman, uh, Kira, I see camera on, let's go lady Kira. Just take a quick break from work, but like that, that whole thing with like the lemon tree and the red door, I've kind of always thought it was kind of weird because it didn't make sense for where she was supposed to be. So I've always thought it was going to be like Danny gets to Westeros, but she kind of lands in a weird place. And like maybe in Dorne and ends up like finding this house with that red door and a lemon tree. And then it's like, she slowly finds out all these things like that happened or maybe didn't happen when she was a kid. And it like either leads to a spiral or just completely changes like how she thinks of herself. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Cause I feel like there's just so much that we don't know. Cause like, how old was she then? She was only, she was really young. And like, in reality, she isn't probably remembering it very correctly. Right. Yeah, right. It's probably really fuzzy. Like think about when you were like, Four, how much do you remember? Mm, yeah. <laughs> right. And and then that makes me wonder like, will she become queen or will she even be considered like good enough to be, say, queen to like take Aegon or Aegon, right? Like it's gonna could completely change how it everything's approached. Yeah. It, no, exactly. And so if the, the well, I, I go back to I keep going back to Henry the Seventh here. And if you thought there was any sort of uncertainty in your claim as you came back to that you know, to Westeros or as you're going back into England or whatever, then yeah, you would do whatever you could to maybe cover that up or silence that or to, yeah. to, to move past it. So if you come into Dorne and you realize that like, wow, uh, some of my memories are off and I actually was not speared away to Bravos or to other, you know, free cities, but I actually went to Dorne and it makes more sense as to why there was, a, you know, this pact there or that you weren't even spirited away you were picked up in Dorne originally. I mean, th- there's a lot of things, and that was that's just a quick little allude to other theories that are out there on on Danny and her her origin. Yeah, it, it, I, I think what we would then experience is how do you deal with that? Like, how do you deal yeah. with with that knowledge as a ruler who's coming in with an army? And yeah. what are you going to do politically to kind of make sure that that never reaches the 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 public? So, and that could really affect also how like Tyrion sees her and sees his whole game, right? Like yes. that could change his her his opinion of her completely. Well, and, like I yes. feel like there's so much that could happen. Yes, there is, and and also if Tyrion has that card in his pocket and he is along with her, like if he's an advisor moving into Dorne, and then he realizes he, maybe he learns that information with her and experiences that she has some mysterious different background, different origins than what we than what we believe she has then he might keep that in his pocket. And, and when the time comes when the bells start ringing and madness starts to kind of set in, he might say, it's time for me to pull this card out. And that might yeah. be someone who, you know, again, she, he's, he's hand of the queen, trusted advisor in the show, going off the show on that one. Um, that could be what that, that could be, that could be very interesting. So we're talking about a, a, a Tyrion 
betrayal here. So, so that's, uh, that's amazing. Thank you, um, Lady Kira. And then back to Sir Matthew, what you got? Well, I was just going to say, um, do you think Tyrion becomes her hand in the book? So it goes down the same path. And actually you, you, you were kind of saying, I, I could tell you were hinting at that. Like, like, are we, are, are we actually going to go down that route? I'm not sure. Um, I would say it's, it's a pretty big arc for him in the show. So I feel like that probably was something right. that George gave them, but you, I, I, you, you, you do have Marwin the mage headed there as well. Um, you have other advisors who are going to be there, but again, she needs a grand maester. She needs the, the, the whole, yeah. you know, kind of small council uh, uh, set up there. If she does send Jorah away, um, that's that, you know, I mean, if he doesn't enter back into her service, that whole type of thing, that mm-hmm. would be interesting to, to kind of see how that affects who the advisors are around her and he is on his way to her. So I kind of think he's going to, to fill that role. But what I wasn't sure about until literally right now, thanks to lady Adrian is how does he start? How do you start to sow that, that, that seed of, um, you know, doubt or whatever, and start to see it's not, it's because a lot of this reference to flip a coin is, is this Targaryen mad, um, sane, whatever that, I don't know that's necessarily been on the forefront of Tyrion's mind. And I think maybe, yeah. Sorry, I'm wondering if, uh, how is he, you know, if he's in this group of sellswords right now, how do they get into Marine? How do, how does Tyrion get into, in the show, you know, he's with Jorah and he just kind of talks his way when she's watching this battle, this fighting pit thing. Yeah. Yeah. Tyrion is like, this is who I am, and this is, you know, I could be useful to you. So how does that happen in the books? How does he get into with, was it Brown Ben Plum that he ends yes. up using to get to Daenerys's good graces? Or, you know, I mean, I know she hates him right now. Right, so right. Well, how is he going to get into her good graces is my a, question, you know? Exactly, because they bypass that in, 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 in the books already. I mean, like, you know, so where we leave mm-hmm. her, she's got dysentery, and she's out with her dragon all you know doing middle of nowhere yeah middle of nowhere so yeah they actually are gonna have to whatever that point was that he's driving towards is different Mm -hmm. than than what we saw in the show for sure 100 so man that is that is a great question is how he gets in her service um and yeah because like you said she's away she's not even in marine at the moment so Mm -hmm. yeah you know barristan is there you know barristan knows Tyrion, but like yes and see, that's what I kind of thought is that he would he would have to prove himself, and that in her absence, like I kind of think there's no way that when she's in charge, she would have said, "Yeah, let's bring a Lannister in on this," or let's, you know, I think she right. might not have done that. But if he has already proven himself and he's been under Barristan's watch or someone else's watch, then okay, he's done. While I was gone and I was out of the picture here, he did something for my people when I couldn't. Therefore. That's where he's going to get possibly this um, hand of the queen. You know, I, that's kind of my just initial Will thought. Will it be like opposite in the show? How when remember um, Tyrion is there when Danny flies off on her dragon? You know what I mean? In the show. Yeah. In the show, Tyrion mm-hmm. is already part of her little council when Danny gets on Drogon and flies away. Yeah. You know, to go be with the Dothraki eventually. So mm-hmm. when she comes back, remember Tyrion has kind of screwed things up with yeah. slave masters and they're attacking marine so is it going to be opposite of the book where Tyrion is saving marine and danny yep. shows up 
Uh, possibly. I mean, like literally, I think he had, he something. And again, that's where in a book series, you, you can cover more ground and you can even show mm-hmm. things that he did well, things he didn't do well, or like he kept it going for such a time that when she does get back, look, I can give you a thumbs up for these past several weeks, but this week right here, you messed up and I'm thank God I'm back and it's time, it's time to go. So it could be a combination of those, but yeah. I, and, either way, I like it. And remember that, remember that conversation that Varys has with Daenerys? um at season seven i think um where varus basically says she basically talks to varus and says he says i serve the realm ultimately and he's he's saying that like if it ever ever time came i would tell you it's possible she has that conversation with somebody else maybe it's Tyrion, and then it's uh but i do i do think that conversation is going to happen but it could be somebody else that she has that conversation with yeah, I, I've I've wondered about Varys too, and 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 advisors and things like that. And yeah. honestly, I mean, Lady Adrian has caused me to think about like who are, who are the other, you know, characters around these big figures, these big names. I bet when you start to explore, I mean, just imagine like this was what was this fourteen fourteen hundred or whatever this mm-hmm. was like mm-hmm. around that time. That's hundreds yeah. and hundreds of years ago, and so. We don't have all the notes and all the little messages that were sent between the, uh, a, a king and their advisors and all that kind of stuff because, and that's where I, I go to like what you see in your main history textbook that's taught in high school doesn't cover any of this stuff. I mean, none of it. And so if you're obsessed with that and you like that and you you start to realize, wow, there was some secret communication going on. There were advisors who were influencing these people who wanted yeah. to be next to power because of bloodlines. They were going to move people forward. That's huge. That's huge. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And that kind I of was like what sort of really kind of kicked off the Wars of the Roses was because Henry the Sixth, he was kind of, I mean, he was a weak and he was a very malleable king. And he had these advisors who were like, taking control and making the decisions and Richard III's dad just did not, he didn't agree with that. He thought that they were, you know, usurping his power. And so that's sort of what happened was he stepped in and he just started to try to wrest control back from these advisors. And, um, you know, he actually ended up dying in one of the battles. And then that's how his son, Edward, became the king and then Richard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was to do with these advisors that he felt were not have did not have the realm's best interest at heart. And um, and in fact, there was some, you know, because. Henry the sixth would like, he would go into these like catatonic episodes where he literally could not, he could not rule. He was catatonic. And during one of these episodes, his, his wife, uh, Margaret of Anjou, she got pregnant. And so there is some debate over whether or not her son was one of the advisor's kids or it was the King's kid. And he eventually ended up dying in when he was young in one of the battles of this ongoing war. And so that's how Henry VII ended up being the last Lancastrian who could could take it. But but yeah. 
Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, see, that, that's that's the other thing I'm I'm kind of like you know wrestling with the, the advisors, people around them, and 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 how's that going to influence what George is writing about the advisors who are around our our rulers? I know Lady Sarah has uh, well, she indicated her hand was up there. I see the other thing is too. I see some of you guys like taking. I see Lady Sarah taking notes. I'm hoping like like I mean I'm, I'm thinking Ravens to come here. I'm thinking like the research that's going to be done is going to be ridiculous. So Lady Sarah, when you uh, just unmute yourself and when you're ready, I'm down to hear what you have to say on this theory. All right, so um, somebody brought up uh, uh, Plum and the Second Sons and Tyrion and Marine. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we have a Plum connection with Duncan Egg. We have Blood Raven possibly totally being uh, Maynard Plum. We've got like the Moonstone Gem or something that uh, could be like yes. the Glamour Stone that he uses. And um, his whole tagline is A Thousand Eyes and One. Um, the last line in um, the third story in the Mystery Night series, or whatever whatever they're called, Duncan Egg, um, when the egg goes missing at the uh, wedding, I think at White White Walls. Yes, yes. Um, I don't think there was ever really a dragon egg. I think it was like a stone the whole time or something, but um, <laughs> Blood Raven... Blood Raven in like the same vein as uh, Varys and his little birds or spiders, whatever you call them. Um, he used dwarves to uh, to sneak the egg out. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so we end the whole thing with a thousand eyes and one. Dunk is like kind of like you know um, thinking about everything that happened, and he's just tripping over Blood Raven, Plum, like the whole thing. And he says, um, a thousand eyes and one, why shouldn't they belong to a couple of dwarves? And so we see the plum tie-in to Marine, and also uh -huh. we see a tie-in to a couple of dwarves. Who is Tyrion with? He is with little, uh, I think her name is Penny. Uh, yeah. Penny Cree, oh my God, there's another tie-in. Yeah, there okay. it is. Yeah, Anyways, yeah, um, right. yeah, and her brother's name is like Olo or Yolo or something. Yolo, um, anyways, you only live once when the pair I mean when a pale mare shows seriously. up. <laughs> no, so, you, no um, seriously, you only do. That's true. That's true. So anyways, I've, I think I've, I think I've got it. Okay. Somebody, somebody mentioned, um, Danny, she's already gone in the book, her possibly coming back with Drogon. Okay. She could possibly be coming back with, uh, the Dothraki as well. So what could she be coming back to? She could be possibly coming back to a Marine that has been saved somehow by Tyrion, Penny, Jorah mm -hmm, somehow, mm -hmm. and yep. maybe that kind of brings them together. Um, yep. That's just sort of what fire worked off in my brain real, real quick. Yeah, no, I like that. Uh, yeah, because yes, and that's what that's how those people would then uh, be be accepted, accepted into her service, and be be a part of of her group mo moving forward. Because right now, it's difficult to see how someone who's exiled and someone who you know didn't support her family uh, during the Roberts Rebellion um, would be in, would enter into her service and things like that. So yeah, I, 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 I hear you. Wow. That's some deep connections though, back and forth between the histories. And a part of that makes me think that like what he's showing us when he does a bounce back and forth between the Blackfire rebellion or something that happened in the Duncan egg series and, and connections as lady Sarah just did to the main series. It ought to show us the reader that he, the author is doing the same thing with us in real life which is exactly what Lady Adrian is saying, is that he's using those influences from 
our modern from modern history, cheesy cow, from our history, mm-hmm. uh, you know, here and then and then you know, uh, developing something that you know for, for for us to enjoy. I think that's that. I think that's great. I I really like that a lot. Um, honestly, so. Wow. Uh, guys, I feel like we've leveled up here. I feel like uh, I, I don't know if it was the White Claws or if, if something it could be. Is, is it, or is it just all Lady Adrian right now? Um, that's 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 the uh... I haven't had any White Claw this morning. Oh, OK. So, <laughs> so it's just all Lady Adrian. Like I, I'm blown away by the historical like those those connections, because there's so much more. It's it, it's such an interesting uh, you know time. I mean, like that they would have, we have a series, we, we have a, the, the modern day, like this, the, the tutors, uh, that series, we have mm-hmm. this book series. So you have people who are obsessed with that time period and all the warring and all of the backstabbing, the scheming and, and working towards gaining power. So it is really, um, really interesting. And I, I, I totally see when we first started several years back, I, I just went into it at like, what are the plot points in the story? And, and that's, that's where I was at. Right. You know, I just, I was just like, that's really cool. Here's some of the theories. I'm seeing the connections inside of the text, but then to take it outside of that, like this, I think is, is on a whole nother level um, and makes a lot of sense. And it adds a lot of validity to some of these theories that, that are, that are floating out there as, as Sir Jimmy said that uh, earlier. Uh, Sir, Sir Ryan. Uh, so here's, here's the thing, man. I just want to ask you, I want to get your initial thoughts and just reactions uh, to this. What do you think about all this? All, all this history that's being dropped on us right now. I mean, is it, um, I don't know. What are your thoughts? It's, it's amazing. It's so much. I can't really wrap my head around it so much. And then, then the theories are flying in from Matthew and Sarah mm-hmm. and, and I'm trying to keep up. I, I really don't have anything to add. I had a couple thoughts that are kind of offshoots that I'm going to send you some emails on, but yeah. uh, to keep it kind of focused on what we're doing here. Sorry. Yeah. I just can't with Jimmy today. I can't either. I can't. I wish people understood the visual distractions that were right. happening in this in this in this uh, Zoom call. But it's freaking fantastic. But Sir Ryan, I mean, so like like this is the kind of thing, though, you know, like that. This is what I love about this series is that is that it does cause us to think about the text, make connections to actual history uh, and then and then theorize with it. I mean, I'm, we're at a whole other level here that I, I we've not been at on 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 Bend the Knee, quite frankly. And I am super stoked about it. I was like messaging everyone in the chat. I'm like, is anyone else realizing like the magic that is, that is taking place here and that dragons have, have actually returned in this zoom chat. Uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic, but, uh, yeah, buddy, send us those, uh, uh, theories for sure. Cause I, I want to hear, uh, more, more of your thoughts. I mean, that's the thing is I'm over here mentally thinking like, I need to go learn more about this time period, watch a couple videos on it, start to understand just what happened and then maybe see how that might add to, to our theories. Because, you know, uh, Sir Matt, we do a lot of theories and predictions and, and winds of winter theories. Well, I, a whole other angle on that is exactly what L- Lady Adrian has done here. And I don't see a lot of people doing it. Right. Frankly. Pulling that, pulling that, the it, it, look, yeah, let's look at his inspirations and see where does it, where, how does that end? And how might yeah. that influence the series? Yeah. Well, and also even the alternate. So the, the best part for me about this is that like something that happened in history that you aren't you're not happy with the outcome. And so you want to almost do an alternate ending to it. That was what I think was was super fascinating for me just to hear oh, cool. him kind of say that, you know, and I'm like, wow, that's that's, that's where we are. Yeah, I'm really um, glad you brought yeah. that up, Lady Adrian. I remember reading about that when I think when I first got into Game of Thrones about what influenced him. I'm really glad that you brought that up. That's so cool. Well, I yeah. was just 
thinking about like how, I mean, as an author myself, how I kind of like to me, a perfect example is in my first, my, the first book that I wrote, part of it was because I do believe that that, that Catherine Carey was, was Henry the eighth's daughter. And, um, you know, because there really are no technically no descendants of Henry the eighth. Um, but Catherine had like 14 children and you would be, I mean, my mind is blown by how many messages I get from people all the time saying like, Oh, she was my, however many times great grandmother, like, you know, and that makes a lot of sense because there are so many, you know, so many kids, they have a lot of descendants, you know? So really these people like kind of take it like, you know, they believe that they are descendants of Henry VIII, but, you know, a lot of historians are like, no, 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 he didn't have any, you know, none of his kids survived. He didn't have any grandkids and which technically, yes, that's true. But, you know, if you look at all of the like circumstantial evidence, like it's pretty good that Catherine was his daughter. And, um, you know, so part of why I wrote it was because like, that's what I believe. And so I wanted to tell that story and tell that, um, you know, perspective. And so, you know, it's, that's part, probably part of why Martin like wrote things the way that he did, because he has the, you know, he wants that perspective to be told. And, you know, I mean, Richard is pretty villainized, like he's really villainized. And in fact, interestingly, they, they just found his body like in the last five. Yeah, they did. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's been this real like push to kind of rehabilitate his image and, um, you know, it's, it's fascinating to watch because, you know, for so many years, the Ricardians would like argue, you know, because we, the, the vision that we have of Richard comes from Shakespeare, like Shakespeare made him this really horrible villain in his, you know, in his plays. And so for, for many years, they would say that, you know, he really didn't have a hunchback. He really didn't have these um, physical deformities because physical deformities were kind of used to show that like back in those times, they thought that people who had physical deformities were evil. Like that was their evil manifested. And so the Ricardians would say, well, you know, that's just something Shakespeare made up to make him look more evil. And, but then when they discovered him, his, his skeleton, he had, um, you know, a really, you know, obvious curvature to his spine. So he really was hunchback. He really did have, you know, so, um, it's just kind of interesting that, that perspective and, and maybe that was why, you know, he wanted to tell that, that story he wanted to, yeah. you know, and so it's kind of like a sort of wish fulfillment. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. And I, I want, I want to say, um, no, I, I, I get that. And actually something you said about Richard, I, I want, I want to bring up before I bounce to, I think we got Matthew, um, and Sir Ryan have a couple thoughts. I want to read something from from Lady Sandy here, real quick too. But like the idea is, um, so 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 Tyrion in our story is blamed for stuff that we know he did not do, and he's actually helping people, right? And right. so if he's if the parallel is that he's compared to you know King Richard, then I mean that's 
and, and vilified. You said he is, is that is that correct? Like he's vilified um, mm-hmm. or, or or whatever. Well, then yeah, that makes me 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 think that like whoever the winners are or who's trying to influence the the way the the perception or or the image of our rulers and and uh, we see what's happening here with, with Tyrion because puts us in a dilemma as as the reader. We're like, okay, we know he's doing what's right and what's what's good, but he will have his um, uh, gold cloaks will come back in. The city watch will come back in and say, hey, they all they're blaming you, man. It's all it, it is all you, Tyrion. You're the one. You're you're the you're the imp. You're you're the one with the deformity. You're you're the you're the monster who is is all this stuff is 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 running through. And we know for a fact that it's the queen or it's other people or or, or whatever. So if that <laughs> that's an element that he's pulling and saying, yeah, let's let's amplify that through the character Tyrion. I think uh, we're on to something there. That's that's huge. So, um, yeah, let me go to uh, let's, let's go to Sir Matthew real quick here and and get his thoughts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just try to keep thinking about Tyrion's past and Young Griff, and um, you know, if we assume that Tyrion becomes you know part of Danny's council and they start heading towards Westeros. And correction, I was saying like they'd meet up in Volantis, but Young Griff is already in Westeros at this point, obviously trying to take Storm's End, and so say Danny and they sail over there and they land at Dragonstone again, you know, where are we going to see those two groups? Are they going to end up being allies? Are they going to be enemies going against right. Cersei? I mean, especially the, the, like how close Storm's End and Dragonstone are to each other. Um, yeah. You know, will there be a point that Tyrion realizes Young Griff has a better shot at this, you know, if he does decide to betray Danny? Right. So, and one thing I wonder, and, and again, Lady Adrian would know more about this or, or other history uh, buffs in here would know more about this, but like, I imagine during a time where there's a power struggle and, and you're working towards put, getting everyone behind somebody, you might have other people who have claims to a throne and they say, you know what, I, mine's not as strong um, or yours is stronger and I need to throw my lot in with yours. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be close to power, and and that's an alliance that, that I'm going to make. You know, I feel like that might be. I know the sky. I know, I know it's well. Just I, you know, the last name being Kirk. I'm I'm uh, I, I like discovering what what the Scots were up to, and that, that's, that's something they did. You know, they they were always mm-hmm. trying to kind of figure out who they could rally behind, and and who 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 it was that um, you know could bring bring freedom there. Sorry, Braveheart reference. Um, Lady Adrian, I don't know. Is there anybody like like is that is that is that true? I mean, did did. Is that something people would, it seems like that would logically make sense that you'd have different claimants and they would want to toss in their lot? Yeah, I mean, that did happen, um, you know, quite frequently. And and actually, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned the Scots because when when the pretenders like were, were kind of trying to rise up against um, Henry VII, um, one of them, uh, the Scots like were really supportive of, and they were like prepared to go to war with England to, in order to put this this pretender on the throne. And the king, and actually, the king of the the Scots like married him to his daughter, and they were going to come, and and it was almost like they were sort of going to kind of you know because that's kind of like an old an old beef between England mm-hmm. and Scotland. And yeah. so in a way they were gonna kind of try to take England, uh, you know, by marrying this pretender to to the to one of the heirs and, you know, yeah. um, consolidate their power. And and so, yeah, that, I mean, that stuff did happen, you know, all the time. 
Yeah. Well, and that makes me think like the whole um, that that's something that George explores in the histories or, or even just as we discover, like how people came to Westeros and then the cultures, the influence, the, the religions, the, the faiths. And then how do you one of the ways in which you you kind of um, push your beliefs or, or you, I guess, like like increase your influence is through marriage alliances and stuff. And then you th- th- those things happen. And uh, next thing you know. Uh, yeah, we're, we're the, the the first men are relegated to second men, right? There, I mean, they they that, that that's a whole connection there. Um, so, Sir Ryan, let me let me let me bounce over you real quick, and then we'll see if we got anybody else's thoughts here. Well, actually, I wanted to say too, Lady Sandy did mention the idea, like like Tolkien and and the idea that um, the English history that 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 is something. So he does; he is a fan. Uh, George R. R. Martin of is that as a well, fan. yeah. Yeah, he's a big fan of, of Lord of the Rings, and we know that he's a fan of that author, and that's exactly what um, Tolkien was trying to do for, for England, for, for, you know, is, is, to, is to create like almost a origins or, or mythology for them in this Middle Earth. And so, yeah, I, I, I really like that. Lady Sandy, that's, that's solid. A little like trivia about that is that um, so the two towers in Lord of the Rings, one of the towers is the Tower of London, who was designed by a man named Gundolf. What? Yes. <laughs> what is going on? We are Ezra's leveling just, up in Ezra's here. mind is just being like. We are leveling <laughs> up like I've never anywhere. seen before. This is unreal. Okay. Guys, this may be like the best episode we've ever had on this podcast. So, and I'm sitting over here like half intoxicated, uh, which is fantastic. So, oh, all right. Um, uh, let, Let's bounce around here to, to, to Sir Ryan real quick. You know, any, any thoughts on just where, where do you want to take us? I just wanted to point out that it's conversations like this that I love. You know, it, it's not just the book club that we have on, you know, the conversations that people get into on Facebook or things like that, or, or the theories that get sent into you guys. And then the comments that come back in after it, it's just sitting in here in these zoom calls and hanging out with these people that I've seen month after month for, mm-hmm. for so long now. And, and um, man, just crazy theories every month. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, all right, I got to find something to throw in there and who else is going to have what. And uh-huh. it's just so much fun. I love this stuff. Yeah, man. Like, that's the thing I, I, I got to say, and that's actually a really good point to kind of, cause I'm sitting here going, we've captured magic in a bottle uh, or a zoom call and I'm, I'm worried that we're, we're going to lose it. So that's actually a perfect point to kind of, you know, in this, uh, uh, sir, Matt, I'm look, I can barely come up with like titles right at this point mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm like, not only is my mind blown, but like, as I say, it's, it's just, it's so, it's so much to process. It's so much to kind of think about. And, uh, I think it's going to add a lot to, to our, um, theorizing as, as we move forward, because we, we're going to have some time for, for winds of winter. I'm not worried about us, uh, having, having time to theorize on that no. before it comes out, quite frankly. Uh, yeah. but man, if I, it, I, I, if I agree. it ever comes out. Yeah, I mean, Sir Matt, like, dude, this has been, this has been sick. This is what it's all about: sitting down with the bannerman, calling the council, getting people together, and and you know, chatting about this. I am. These are the people who, by the way, I'm going to spend my New Year's with. Okay, New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. we're going to be toasting one another. All right, we're going to be talking Game of Thrones. We're going to be talking theories. Hopefully, Adrian will come back and and will will give me a whole history lesson uh, on the War of Roses, and I can just figure out where uh to to go from there so i'm i'm stoked Mm -hmm. all right well guys hey we want to thank hey thank thanks for all of our bannermen for joining us today we really appreciate it and really appreciate your guys support on patreon um and as an i uh you know 
there's stuff coming guys stay tuned yeah uh pay attention you know pay attention definitely check out our youtube page where we have been posting a lot of content a lot of a lot of stuff has definitely been um uh shifted moved over there um and i think ez has about 100 videos he's about to drop yeah um so uh I stay do. tuned <laughs> for yeah. that that's so wild uh that's wild. that's mind-blowing it's uh just kind of just basically a lot of stuff to make it easier uh and you guys you guys you guys will see what we're talking about over there so yeah anyway we appreciate it and um next time as i believe we're back in the in the reread and it's going to be john five of a clash of kings Uh, So, again, thanks, everybody, for joining us today. And remember that winter is coming.